Hello, folks, and welcome to Got Your Back NHL Edition. LeBron, Rashog, and MJ today. Got a great podcast in store for you. Lots of interesting hockey talk. Going to talk about the playoff races. A little bit about Leon Dreisaitl. Another 100-point season for him. And how about that fighting after a clean hit in hockey? It's a hot debate right now. Uh, We got our ultimate arbiter, Terry Ryan, on it. And we'll have a chat with Johnny and Pierre. We're talking about it at the GM meetings right now. So is there going to be any movement? Not sure. Got your back as always brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. Did you know Cross Country Canada is the first and only company in all of Canada to offer mobile warehouses? Anywhere there's a big job to be done, Cross Country will place a mobile warehouse directly on site. The warehouses are then stocked with all the inventory needed for the job. So if it's on a pipeline spread or a mining site, big construction developments, the warehouse inventory consists of the supplies and tools for that job specifically. They're all about making it easy for their customers. And we are thrilled to have Cross Country Canada as title sponsors on Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashog. Okay, delayed in our taping today because Mike Johnson is always high maintenance, travel issues. Johnny, what the heck happened? Listen, don't blame me. Don't blame the flights. I don't know. You know, it's been a, not a bad year. We all travel around quite a bit. Maybe me a bit more than you guys. Yeah. But I, I haven't say, had too many travel issues with weather or planes or customs or whatever. But I got the I got the email like midnight last night that my 6 a.m. flight that I was taking specifically early just so I could make your preferred time, Shoggy, was going to be delayed till 8.30 in the morning, so I had to hustle home and, and jump on now. But uh, listen, I'm here. I'm happy to be here. But yeah, the reason I take the early flights is to accommodate you to begin with. Really? Remember, I'm two hours behind, so this is this whole operation's way earlier for me. This is true. I, I feel I for you sometimes. I reschedule my automatist, uh, optometrist appointment. That oh. I literally, right now, as we speak, as we tape this, I'm supposed to be in a chair getting my eyes checked. Hang on, Pierre. Do you? I don't remember you wearing glasses. Do you need glasses for the first wear, time? What's going on? Yeah, I, I wear daily contact lenses. Uh, okay. So I usually switch to glasses uh, at night if I'm not on air because it's better for your eyes. Yeah. You're not. I, I got a pretty blind. You're yeah, not supposed you? to be at the optometrist. You're supposed to be suntanning in Florida right now, my man. That's where you're supposed to be. <laughs> I, I, the GM I meetings. A, I had a few. Uh, I've had a few people down at the GM meetings reach out and say, "Where are you?" <laughs> That's the first one I've missed in a long time. I uh, I pulled the plug on that meeting a few weeks ago. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll just fess up to this because it's the truth but my son started his playoffs this weekend i didn't mm. want to miss oh i like yeah, it so, so there you go i like it that's, are they still alive in the playoffs yeah yes. okay i like yeah. it that's a boondoggle yeah. of a gig though man like it's it's a good <laughs> gig so i get kids playoffs are pretty meaningful but man oh man that uh and yeah, it's a I, I'm pretty sure I'll be back next year. And, and, and the, big thing, the, the, the big thing with the GM meetings uh, is is not so much the news or lack of news. It wasn't very newsy this week, but it's more just a chance to see all these GMs in, in person in one place and, you know, a network and so on. That That's the real point of it all. It's not so much. I mean, they, the league has now gone out of its way to water down the meaning of this actual meeting over the years. I mean, you used to go there and, like, everyone's hair was on fire Rule 48, this is happening, and people bickering at each other. And now yeah. it's a very, very quiet thing compared hmm. to when I started. I like it better with the idea of them bickering and yelling and screaming and yeah. arguing over stuff, <laughs> passionately defending or advocating for something. That's what I want to see. In fact, I'm so old that when I started covering the gym meetings, they used to have it before the trade deadline. Hmm. Oh, yeah. That was wild. That, that would be great. Yeah. Everyone together yeah. that they could kind of – this is it. And then you could sort of, you know, uh, try to speculate. You know, Sniff it out. Me. Exactly. These guys are talking to each other again over in the corner. What are they doing? It's like the, it's and, like uh, the hour and a half before the draft on the draft floor where we're all sitting right. in the stands like, who's talking to who? It's, it would be two days of that in the Florida sun when really most of the time they're just sitting there sipping mimosas talking about their golf game, Pierre, I think is <laughs> what usually is going on. The funny thing is, 
when when we see the GMs go up to each other to draft, it actually sometimes does lead to a trade. Yeah, <laughs> they really are having a conversation about. Did you mean that? You know, instead of picking up the phone, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, the other thing that staying home brought you was a dynamite quote from Nate McKinnon. So we're going to get to that in a moment, and lots of uh, lots of hockey talk in the breakdown. Brought to you by Kuma outdoor gear they have a wide range of gear to fit all your outdoor needs from super high quality camping chairs that are comfortable they're luxurious i've sat in them and did you know they actually can come heated for those of us out here in alberta want to do a little spring or fall uh, sitting outside by the fire sleeping bags tents travel games pet products drinkware i've got my trusty drinkware here from kuma that i love you guys yours is on the way you will have it sometime in the next month uh, Kuma's right. gonna, yeah, Kuma will make sure that uh, you are just as comfortable outside as you are in your living room. They've got locations across North America. Their gear is available, so go to kumaoutdoorgear.com to find a retailer near you and check out all that they have to offer. Um, I like the quote from Nate McKinnon. Nice synergy with Daryl Sutter's quote last year about eight days wasted against the Colorado Avalanche in the first round of the playoffs. And there's been a lot of talk about the Avs this year, Pierre, and where they're at. They've had some losing streaks. They've had some injuries. But it feels like they want to put a stamp on the idea that they're back and they're to be taken seriously. And Nate McKinnon had a quote along those lines. By the way, it was a year ago today that Daryl Sutter famously dropped that line about eight wasted days. If you're a wildcard team playing Colorado, he, he was wrong. It was six days. <laughs> that it took Colorado to sweep Nashville <laughs> a couple of months later. Um, such a funny thing. Um, you know, listen, I, I, and I hope I gave this justice in my, in my piece in the athletic today, Nathan McKinnon didn't come out after practice yesterday here in Toronto and, you know, guns a blazing. He was answering questions from a, uh, from a handful of us writers who were at the avalanche practice. And he was talking about the year in general, and it's been a grind and all the injuries, but then, you know, he said what I think a lot of us think which is that I'm sure there's not any teams that want to play us in the first round if we're a wall card. Uh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I think I think that is a true statement because this team, ever since hitting rock bottom uh, on January 12th when they lost 3-2 in Chicago, their seventh loss in eight games, um, I don't have the record in front of me. I think there's something like 17-5-3. Yeah, 17-5-3 since that rock bottom moment. They're still not healthy. In fact, they're still getting key injuries. Arturi Lekkinen going down for four to six weeks is a huge injury for where, what the kind of season he was having and where he fits into that top six. But they just keep finding a way. And I think, listen, Nathan McKinnon wasn't being like arrogant or, or, or you know, trying to provide bulletin board material for anyone. He was just answering questions about the belief in the cup champions. They still believe. And the West is wide open. And I think you could tell that they're just like, Let's get in. Let's see what we can do. Well, I, mean, I think if you if you look at the bet, they're the betting favorite in the Western Conference to go to the Stanley Cup final. Like they, even though they are currently out of a wild card spot, they just jumped into third. They may end up with right. home ice when it's all said and done, flip flopping with whoever Winnipeg and whoever else is chasing them. But um, I, I think there is the sort of sleeping giant that everyone's afraid of. They haven't looked this year like they've looked the previous two years. Right. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And it's not because, you know, they're not good. I think it's they just haven't had the bodies around to be as good as they were. And that's the idea, like, if, and it feels like a big if, because, you know, they keep saying, well, when we get healthy, they haven't ever been healthy. Mm-hmm. So the they assumption that healthy. on April 15th it's going to happen like that may be a bit of an assumption. But if they get healthy, they get Landis Gog back and they get Lekkinen back. And maybe Eric Johnson comes back around that time or sometime thereafter. That team, even if they're not as good as last year, is still probably the favorite in the West. So, yeah, he's, he's speaking the truth. I don't think it's inflammatory or insulting to anyone else. If you're Dallas and you have this great year, do you think you want your reward for finishing first to be Colorado healthy yeah. as a wild card? Forget it. That'd be a nightmare. Right. Yeah. But they may not get healthy, and that's the thing that mm-hmm. – you exactly. Know. Well, Landeskog, right? I mean, hasn't and played Landis a game Gog. this year, and and like, I like, I know they're hoping he'll be back in the playoffs, but is it ready to go right away? And I don't know what level can you hit after sitting an entire season and popping back in for the playoffs. Shoggy, the problem is Kucherov showed you could be, yeah. be like a Conn Smythe rebel, but he that's not fun. normal, yeah. right? Like he's not normal. So like Landeskog, who's a great player of his own, I don't think you know 
he probably would be a bit rusty, even if Kucherov wasn't. So you're right. Even if they get healthy and you have Darren Helm, I guess, floating around too, he might be coming back. They have bodies that are coming back, but um, yeah, and they're not as good as last year, right? The Nazem Kadri thing, the Burakovsky thing, they're not quite as right. deep as last year up front. JT Comfer's had a great year sort of responding for some of that void, but they're just not as deep. And, you know, when I asked Jared Bednar for an update on uh, Landeskog yesterday, by the way, because it, it's kind of been this mysterious what exactly is going on. He had his second knee surgery uh, in eight months in October, played through a ton of pain in the playoffs, just gutted it out. And the answer I got yesterday from Jared Bednar, because I said, is there any clarity? And his quote was, there is no clarity. Uh, he's skating. Uh, he said he's, you know, getting better. Mm. But he says, I can't tell you if he'll be back before the end of the regular season. I can't tell you if he'll be back for mm. the start of the postseason. Interesting. So, yeah, that's a big sitting, part of that team, boy. Currently sitting at 80 points. Seven back at Dallas for top spot uh, in the Central. Ten back in, in the lead in the West. Uh, but they do have three games in hand as of right now, as of taping here on Wednesday morning on the Dallas Stars. Meanwhile, the race for a playoff spot, in particular by Canadian teams, feels like a bit of a sputter at times. Winnipeg, Calgary, Ottawa, all losing games last night. But I do want to focus, Pierre, on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, listen, they're, they're in a tailspin here. They've lost 8 of 11. They've given up four or more goals in 8 of 11. Last night, they, you know, they drop a game 5-3 to Carolina. And Rick Bonus is benching uh, the likes of uh, Connor Shifley, Niederreiter for a big portion of the game. Um, they're not just losing games. Important players are, are getting lost in the shuffle here, Pierre. What's the DEFCON level at with the Winnipeg Jets? Well, I guess John Cooper brought back benching of big yeah, stars. Yeah, made right? it so fashionable again. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I actually think uh, the Jets have, have played some pretty spirited hockey on this road trip. You could tell they sense that their season's on the line. I, I actually didn't think they played a, a bad game last night in Carolina. I was watching that game a lot. But they did lose again, and so the, the only thing that matters right now is they keep losing games in general over the last month. And what's fascinating to me is that it's like the Jets and the Flames are begging the National Predators who sold half their roster mm-hmm. to get back in the race. <laughs> you know, the Predators have games in hand and are right there. It's kind of a nutty thing right now and, and, and for the last or one of the wild card spots in the West. But, you know, you can't have this conversation about the Jets and not go bigger picture because it's like the elephant in the room. You know, we talked earlier this year, Rick Bonus came in, breath of fresh air, took the sea off Wheeler, you know, trying to rehabilitate the dressing room culture there, blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, now you're like, boy, if this team misses, you know, what happens with Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's already said, or at least did last summer, he didn't want to commit long-term. Mark Shifley has a year left before his UFA. Connor Hallebach has a year left before his UFA. Where is this all headed? If the Jets if the Jets crash and burn, I hope they don't. They're a fun team to watch. I hope they make it, but boy, that could be a unbelievable offseason there. Yeah, a lot at stake. I mean, listen, if it's John Cooper can bench his best players in their Stanley Cup champs, maybe it could work for Rick Bonus as well. It's maybe not that big of a deal. Hellebuck played well in the wins. Uh, you'd like to think that they would be able to be good enough that they don't need greatness mm. from their goaltender feels right now maybe they do. And it's interesting because when you think about Winnipeg, you don't necessarily think about a team that would have trouble scoring. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the eight teams that are in the playoffs in the West right now, only the Wild, who we know cannot score, have scored fewer goals than them. So, like, you know, Mm. we talk about Hellebuck a lot. We talk about the defense. But um, amazingly, it's kind of the offense that has sort of you know, been not as good as it is perceived as being. So if I'm going to, you know, shine a spotlight on guys down the stretch, it's got to be your top players. The guys Pierre just mentioned, all those franchise players that they have there that have to be better scoring goals, not just worry about keeping them out. To your point, Pierre, about them not playing bad, I'm going to play a clip here from Rick Bonus. So he talked about how other lines were better and they just needed to play the guys that were going better. But I found it interesting that he characterized uh, their play overall as one of their better games in a game where 
his top line was back. Overall, listen, that, that's the best game we've played on the road trip. It really is. Uh, we held a high vol- shot volume team to, what, 24, 25 shots on net. Uh, they didn't have 10 scoring chances tonight. So the team game was really, really good. Um, so we're really happy with that. Uh, did a couple guys have a tough night? Yeah, well, that's going to happen. So but you do. You move on and get ready for Boston Thursday night. Best game on the road trip, Johnny, uh, on a night where you bench your top line for a significant amount of time. I don't know. What do you what do you expect from Shifley and company? Or, you know, I know things have been tense at times there, but the sense is it's better in the room this year and things have been going fairly well. They just bounce back from this and pick up, or does this affect things? No, I, I no, I don't think there's any residual impact other than you know getting their attention and, and they'll have an opportunity to play better next game. I don't think they'll be so slighted or embarrassed or whatever angry that they won't respond the right way. They have. 14 games left. We have four, like four weeks left in the season. Um, and they're right there to make the playoffs. I'd expect them to respond, you know, passionately. And I think what Rick bonus is trying to say by that message, if I'm in the room and I hear Rick bonus say that what he's saying is what makes us good is our play without the puck. So that's what we got to be better at. Not, you know, we're missing our top guys who don't dance around and make nice plays. Our game has got to be rooted in defense, which it largely has been this year. As I just mentioned, that's the message he's driving home. It was our best game because it was our best game without the puck. Mm-hmm. And that's why we could afford to sit down our top guys that are good with it. Um, and I think that's a reminder. Like, that's how they need to play the rest of the way. So the Flames and Senators – go ahead, Pierre. I was just going to say, and I don't want to get sidetracked because I know, we're, we're, you know we've got other things to cover, but watching Hellebuck, this is a time of year where, you know, Montreal used to get in, in, in trouble like this when they were chasing the standings with Carey Price. You, you started the year by saying, sports science, we're not, we don't want our number one goalie to play X amount of games. We want to make sure that – but then you get the march and you're like, oh, my God, we, we need every point that's on the table. <laughs> and, and then and so that's the one thing I wonder with a bit the wear and tear with Hellebuck. And I think Rick Bonas done a good job of spelling him. I'm just saying, how is he not net now almost the rest of the way? He don't really have a choice. Yeah. Flames and Senators both drop games, both uh, trying to find a way to will themselves into a position. 4-3, the Flames lose to Arizona. They've got three wins in their last 10. The Senators are six points out on the Islanders. They do have a couple of games in hand, uh, have lost four out of five. I don't know, Johnny, Mystic Mike, if you were to handicap Mm -hmm. which team, Flames or Senators, have a better chance of actually figuring out a way to get there. Where's your money? Well, my money probably would go to Calgary, not because I believe they will, but because I think Ottawa just has so many teams to jump over. Mm-hmm. There's just too much traffic between them and the playoffs. Um, and and they, they went on this road trip, five-gamer, and they played, yes, Edmonton, and yes, they played Seattle, but they also played Vancouver and Chicago and Calgary, teams that are not in the playoffs. And they got smokes in just about every one of those games. They gave up 26 goals in the five-game road trip. They're on their third and fourth-string goaltenders. Just don't see it happening for Ottawa. Now, I don't feel bullish about Calgary either, Pierre. They're not playing great. Um, the games in hand don't look great for them. Nashville's ahead of them. Winnipeg's five points up, same number of games. They haven't been able to string anything together for long stretches this year, so I don't know why they would now. But just by the math and the amount of competition for that spot, I'd have to say Calgary. But I think, unfortunately, neither one is going to get it. Yeah, I, I don't think either neither one either. And, you know, for the Senators who have been, you know, played some pretty good hockey until this road trip, it's a reminder that, you know, second year in a row where November was the abyss. For yeah. It just, you know, this idea that the points matter more now this time of year, you got to come out of the gates, right? You got to come out of the gates, and and Ottawa has been fell two years in a row. Now last year didn't really matter because they were really still rebuilding, but they had higher hopes this year, and um, they got to get that right next year because you, you dig a hole, and, and you know it, it's incredible. And I'm you know we're lucky to have MJ who's the math guy, but it is so hard to dig out of a hole the way these three point games mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. in the NHL, like. They're always like, well, they won seven out of ten. Yeah, well, the two teams are chasing just went to overtime the other night. Like, it's just this idea of, of, like, it's deceptive when you look at the standings and think that it's right there. It's it's actually harder. Yeah, is I guess what I always six yeah. points seems like nothing with two games in hand. We're like, yeah, we're win our games and we're like one game out. 
never works out that way. It mm. never, just last night, we had all these bottom feeders, Chicago and Arizona and Columbus and Montreal and all the teams battling for Bedard winning games. Like they, it just never happens that you run the table the way you think you possibly could to make that kind of inroads in the standings. So I was, that was going to be our next topic. I mean, teams that haven't gotten the memo, <laughs> players, Clayton Keller, Oops. Somebody send Clayton Keller the memo. First star of the week, pile of points. Coyotes are winning games. Vancouver Canucks have rattled off five in a row. Uh, you got the Chicago Blackhawks and their chance uh, and their fans chanting overrated at the Boston Bruins because things are going so darn well there. Like it's mayhem near the bottom of the standings where presidents and GMs and owners just want the losses to pile up for just a, just a month here or so, Johnny. Yeah, you're right. Now, a testament to the players who know they're not supposed to be good, who know their teams aren't as good, but they have the pride and the competitive spirit to play. To say, forget you, ownership, management, who have some sort of plans about drafting some guy who's going to take my job or help me when I'm no longer on this team. I don't want to hear about Leo Carlson third overall because guess what? He's either going to replace me or I'm gone by the time he gets here. So guys will play hard. Like Even the, the worst teams are going to win four out of ten games. They're beating somebody. And so um, we shouldn't be surprising, but you see one like that. And like for teams like Chicago and Arizona who have clearly identified what their objective is this year, and it's not to win as many yeah. games as possible. It's almost like you can't even lose the way you're supposed to. Like you're so messed up. You can't even screw it up. They're on seventh. Purpose. I think they're seventh in the odds race for Bedard. Uh, now yeah, somehow they've gotten themselves to seventh. It's no good. And to MJ's point too, there's, players fighting for a role next year. I mean, you were working the Habs game last night, MJ in Pittsburgh. Now, by the way, Montreal, no business winning that game, but sometimes that's hockey for Mm -hmm. you. Um, But a third of Montreal's lineup were guys that weren't supposed to play in the NHL this year, pretty much with all their injuries here in the second half, you know, those guys are trying to prove a point to management that they should be in the conversation come training camp. So that has a way of going against tanking too, because players care about their own livelihoods. And I've played on bad teams. Sadly, more often than I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And you can find some pretty direct individual motivation to be good, whether it's financial, whether it's career, whether it's trying to achieve milestones, 10 goals, 20 goals, whatever it might be. Like you can really push yourself. And people might call it garbage time, and it is because it doesn't matter in the standings, but you'll get that. And you can do it within the team concept. Pierre, you're absolutely right. Guys playing. And if it's not your team, somebody's watching, some other right. team is watching you that might be looking for something that you could bring. So uh, it's not lost on the guys that, yeah, it might not matter the standings, but it matters to you personally. So the Edmonton Oilers, meanwhile, on the other side of things, Leon Dreisaitl, guys, um, I don't know. The, the stat that stuck out to me, there were a couple, um, becomes the sixth player born in Europe with four 100-point seasons in his career. The other names on this list, like Stastny, Curry, Jager, Solani, Ovechkin. Sometimes there's an overshadowing, I think. There's I mean, with Mc- common there. what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's something, you know, like McDavid doing what he's doing. You know, that's going to be where the bulk of the, the conversation lies. But, Johnny, what's the right way to talk about Leon Dreisaitl here in the pantheon of great players in the game right now, but bigger picture when you look at comparisons mm-hmm. like this and numbers like this? Like, what's the right, where's the right place to put Dreisaitl? Right at the top right below the guy who's at the top and the guy who's at the top is teammate. And I think that's what kind of makes this conversation seemingly more difficult than it really actually is because yes, they play on the same team and yes, they play in the power play together. And yes, they actually play quite a bit five on five together, but not always. And Leon has showed in previous seasons, he doesn't need Connor McDavid specifically to, to, to pile up points. The fact that he churns out 50 goals and hundred points like year after year after year or something really close to it. And we almost ho-hum it. Like, it's not that big of a deal. What are we talking about? You just said how many European-born players have had as many 100-point seasons as him. We talk about the 50-goal years. We talk about the individual hardware. Whatever the conversation is for next best player, he's in that conversation. We can debate, is he first? Is he fifth? Is he seventh? And it's McKinnon, and it's Crosby, and it's McCarr, and it's Matthews, and it's all the usual suspects. He's that He's in that conversation and you can make a very compelling argument that he should be towards the top of it because he's amazingly consistent. Now, you know, is he a perfect player? Is there, you know, parts of his game we can pick at? Sure. But offensively, um, he is as good 
as anyone in the league, not named Connor McDavid. By the way, Peter Stashny, little piece of trivia, had the second most points in the decade of the 1980s behind only Wayne Gretzky. Hmm. That was like, <laughs> it's one of my favorite trivia answers. Uh, great player, underrated superstar. You know, I, I think Leon Dreisaitl is, is Evgeny Malkin to Sidney Crosby. I mean, it's the cleanest, right? at least situational comparison I can find as far as if Evgeny Malkin had played on almost any other team in the league throughout his career, he'd be the number one person on that franchise and might even be looked at differently. Mm-hmm. But you play with Sidney Crosby all this time. <laughs> By the way, Sidney Crosby having another, another amazing season. But that's that's just what happens. And, and you know, Malkin won his own Conn Smythe and has done a lot of great things. It's not like people haven't noticed. But I think to your question, uh, Ryan, you know, the idea of, what, you know, how Dreisaitl is being impacted as far as out-of-market narrative or perception, I think it's very similar. Shoggy, what about in-market? You're in Edmonton. Yeah. Like, like I would hope that the people of Edmonton, the fans of the Oilers, would appreciate just how great he is and not sort of just lump him in as a guy who's being dragged along by McDavid's backdraft. Like, how how was he perceived in Edmonton? Hopefully as good as he is? They're in a completely different category as they should be. I think, you know, obviously... I think people realize what we're witnessing in Connor McDavid. I think everybody has a pretty firm understanding of that. But well, it's the right market to recognize it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But dry saddle is dry saddle's right there, and there's major separation. So it's I just think uh Euler fans recognize that to have two of the top insert your number here, three, four, five players on the planet at the mm-hmm. same time is pretty special. I think he's immensely appreciated here. Uh, and I think people recognize the, the the other stat guys, and maybe this puts it in a little bit of perspective of just how rare it is to have these two players playing together at the same time. It's the second time in history the teammates are the first and second player to reach 100 points in a season. The first two guys in the league to do it, and the last guys were Esposito and Orr. So, I mean, that kind of just puts in a perspective to have that much separation between your top guys and so many other top guys around the league. Uh, it, it's pretty special. Then you see last night, like Leon Dreisaitl on the ice, defending a lead in the last minute of a game, taking multiple face-offs in his own end. He was a he was fantastic defensively last night. He's the first to admit and know about himself that the consistency of the overall game maybe isn't where it should be. He even said last night, I think we all know I'm not the best forechecker. Uh, it comes and goes with him. But when he decides to buckle down on it and focus on it, which is playoff time, quite frankly... Incredibly usable at both ends of the ice. In his overall game, you'd put up against a lot of high-quality two-way players when he decides, Johnny, to lean into that part of his game. But see, like that, like, I don't think that's a defense of his greatness. Like, that's almost more of an indictment of his greatness. The fact that if he wanted to, he has the capability. It's not like he can't be better defensively. He's got other stuff to worry about. You know, he's got other well, things to worry about. But can, can, he not, can he not can he not worry about everything at once like he does in the playoffs? So and, and I think if you're going to criticize Leon Dreisettle, that he, he, he's a pretty self-aware guy. Like he's a bright guy and he knows um, you know, whether it's the defensive parts of the game, whether it's the forward checking stuff. Um, you know, he has more at times in the regular season. Uh, but it's not like he can't, and that's the thing. It's not like he can't when he wants to, if he's able to expend that much energy. Part of it, too, I think, I wonder, Pierre, is I go on a tangent? Yeah. McDavid and Dreisaitl play a lot, like a lot of minutes. They play games where they get 24, 25, 26 minutes, which is a ton for forwards, and you wonder if there's some sort of conservation of energy at times for as sure. well with how those guys play. Right. Well, I'll tell you something else. I think Jacob Chikrin's going to know the next time he's going into a corner with uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Oh, yeah. Oh, he popped him good last night. <laughs> MJ, you were on air still, I think. Mm-hmm. That was that was running into a Mack truck. Like, honestly, I, I, I think Chikrin will wake up today and say, you know, I, you know. I'd rather be that on guy that guy's horse, team but... today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Could have said that too. Yeah, no, a fantastic season for Dry Settle. Pierre, more thought on that? Or are you good? I'm good. Uh, so Oilers putting together a nice little stretch here. They recently beat the Boston Bruins. Tough loss against the Maple Leafs. Has people worried about their consistency? Um, but come playoff time, they've shown they can bring their top end game. 
Uh, over an 82-game schedule, there's still some up and down in their consistency. Okay, guys, let's get to uh, a little segment I'm going to call Notables. Just literally name that right now. Uh, I'm going to toss something out. You guys can just give me a quick thought on it uh, before we get to our final segment. Notable, Jonathan Drouin. We'll start with you, Pierre. One goal on 60 shots this year. 1.7 is his shooting percentage. But in 45 games played, he's got one goal and 24 assists. That's a bizarre stat line for a guy like Drouin. One goal, 24 assists. Your thoughts on him? Yeah, a nice little wrist shot last night in the game MJ was doing that test. I think it was the first shot that Casey DeSmith uh, mm-hmm. faced after replacing um, Tristan Jerry. You know, I, I don't know what's what the future holds for Jonathan Druin. I mean, I, I think you have to call it for what it is. There was no market for him at the deadline. Uh, there, I don't believe a single team phone Montreal asking about a pending UFA who was once a uh, first a high-end first-round pick. Um, you know, that Jonathan Drouin has gone through a lot and, um, you know, I think a lot of people around him are just happy to see him enjoy the game, to be quite honest. And, and I, I, you know, I'm one of those people that enjoys when he's having good, good games, given what he's gone through. And he has had some good moments in the second half on an injury riddled Montreal team, but in terms of him being UFA July 1st and, and what the future holds, I, I think it's difficult to predict. I just think teams aren't quite sure at this point what they're getting in him. Well, I mean, he's on pace for 40-plus assists. That's a big number. Yeah. He's on pace for two goals. That's a small number. The reason why he doesn't score, and, and you're right, Pierre, Jonathan Drouin has, has fought injury, he's fought some off-ice stuff, and, and he's back playing, and he's feeling relatively healthy. He plays around the perimeter of the offensive zone. So you're wondering, how could you possibly shoot 2%? Well, if your shots are mostly from the edges, you're never, you, know, you don't get to the front of the net that often. Um, you know, your shooting percentage will not be as good because he's not taking the ones that go in. Um, and he doesn't have, he's not blessed with a great shot. He's passed for his mentality, but um, it is unique because you think he plays in the power play. Like something's going to tip, something's going to hit your shin pad, something's going to go in in some other way. Um, he's still an effective player when he's at his best. You can see that kind of flash of skill that he, that made him such a high pick. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's injury history. I don't know if it's uncomfortable just being in some of those areas, but he doesn't kind of take the puck to those areas with the same regularity that he once did. Definitely echo Pierre's sentiment, though. We do know he's been through mm-hmm. a lot, and good to see him back playing and enjoying the game. Uh, okay, the goaltenders who were traded for each other. Corpus Allo's 3-0 with a 9.29. Jonathan Quick's 4-0 with a 9.30, Johnny. Kind of bizarre. These two goalies get swapped and both immediately up their play and start knocking it out of the park. If you were to ask me who I think is more likely to sustain their current pace, it's the guy in L.A. Like I think Corpusalo, because he he's played better this year, he plays for a good defensive team in L.A., um, I think he probably will do something like he's doing, which is what they got him to do. Jonathan Quick, to me, I, I have a hard time understanding this because it's not like he didn't play for a good defensive team in L.A., even if Vegas is good. And, like, I get motivation. But it's not like he wasn't motivated to try to stop pucks as hard as he could in L.A. He wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to try on this one. He's trying as hard as he can all the time. So I don't know if it's just a hot streak or if it's a system that works with him or if it's just his competitive juices are burning so hot he's somehow mentally more dialed in. Pierre, I don't know. I can't see him playing at 940. He was one of the bottom few goalies in the league all year long, and now he stepped in. He looks like the guy from whatever, when they were winning cups back in the mid-2010s. So he had the pride hit. to make of it. He got hit in the pride a little, though, Pierre. You never know what that'll yeah, do for I mean, a guy. Yeah, I mean, two-time cup champion, so the that intangible is obviously at play right now. I just don't know if there's sustainability. I mean, no one would know Jonathan Quick better than the LA Kings. And trading him was a very emotional decision. It, it walked the boat a little. It didn't make everyone happy. But they did it because they truly believed that they had seen enough and that he could not be in net for their playoffs. So mm-hmm. I... I, I I find it hard to believe that somehow the Kings weren't right about that, but it's fascinating because he's, he's with their rivals now. And I know Vegas hasn't been in the league that long, but believe me, Vegas and LA, as we've seen are, are rivals and it, it's a juicy storyline. They're not going to play each other in the first round, probably because mm-hmm. they're one, two right now mm-hmm. in the Pacific, but, but it's, uh, you know, it's almost to me like when Luchish go Milan Luchish goes from Edmonton to Calgary, it's like, well, 
which team knows what here. And I, and I yeah. get it. James Neal was part of that deal and all that. But there's still... Yeah, but Luch didn't step in here and score right. 40 goals. Like, like what, like, what <laughs> yeah. Jonathan Quick is doing is like, where did this come from? Yeah. Like, where did this come from? Pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last one, uh, Elias Pettersson last night trying to wave off a penalty, a tripping penalty. Uh, Johnny, I know you were, you were working and traveling, but... Uh, I saw it. You I saw, saw it. Yeah, you saw it. I don't know. We've seen this a few times. Yeah. What, do we, car, right? what car, do we think here? What do we think here? Yeah, McCarr did it. I don't know, Johnny. You okay with it? I or mean, is it like, take the penalty and run, man? You're asking me. I'm taking the penalty, man. I don't care. Like, how many times do they make a mistake where we get penalized as a team? I'm not trying to be a hero in, in a tight game and be like, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm, such a, I'm such an honest competitor that I don't, you know, he kind of touched my feet, but I kind of caught myself. Like, forget that. No way. And if I'm one of the guys on this team, we said this about Kale McCarr, like, don't take me off the power play. I want to get out of the power play and go and score some points. So, um, listen, these things have a way of evening out in the wash. I like the spirit behind. It's honorable. It's honorable, yes, Johnny. It's sure. being an honest, good sport. Did the good penalty sport. get taken away? Uh, no, I don't think it did. No. So what? Who cares? Like you're just doing it for <laughs> show. Then I got to take it away after the fact. So, um, yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't have done it. Um, I'm guessing only- he likes it. I'm guessing well, he likes it. Star players can get away with it, though, right? Because no one's going to get on Patterson for doing that. But if you're not a star player, like, um, dude, it's a two-goal game. Like, we take the penalties here. We're trying to win. <laughs> we're not. We're not trying to win a you know a participation <laughs> medal here. Pierre, so, I think when McCard did it, we did a red card, yellow card. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Card. And speaking of which, I wonder what a professional soccer player somewhere in the world watching that is saying right now. Oh, I know. Because they go so far the other way. That I think of where they'd be like doing the opposite in terms of trying to draw a penalty. Um, I, I doesn't bother me. I, I mean, I think that KPR. It's not. First of all, I don't think it's something that is is predetermined as far as you know him going into no. a game saying it's a the borderline. In the it's just it just happens in the moment. Like overtime, game three of the playoffs. You okay with a guy doing that? No, of course well, not. Of course well, wait not. Wait a second. You can't have it both ways. No, Either here's how you can have it both ways. Or you're there Here's for the how you can have it both you ways. These me. guys Meaning build like long-term relationships with referees that are in this game. Mm-hmm. If you make a referee look foolish, it hurts your reputation with that ref, and maybe in an important moment, you don't get a call. So these guys are so, also managing their reputations out there over the long haul, Johnny. So so by waving the ref off, are you helping that relationship or are you making him look right. foolish? You tell me, because to me, you're making the referee look bad. We're like, no, 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 you got that one wrong, and everyone's But he can reverse his call, can't he? If the player's like, yeah, no, don't, he could just go, oh, okay, no, no penalty. Mm-hmm. Do so you think the ref candy. looks good he in that situation? Yeah. He, he, <laughs> Please. That is a stretch. I so you either get the honorable, good-hearted, Samaritan hockey player, or you get the guy who's trying to win. You don't get both. You get to pick one or the other, which one you want. And, and you know what? By the way, I would love to see, since for, we've been <laughs> in a two-ref system for so many years now, that in football, and you guys wore my cowboy shirt, one thing that I've actually liked about football officiating the last few years, there's a lot of things not to like, but one thing that I've liked is they actually pick up more flags than they used to because mm. they have a crew and they talk after a play and they're like, you know what, that actually, that ball wasn't catchable. That's not, that's not PI or whatever. Um, I wish we had that more in hockey where the second guy on the ice is like, come here for a second. Let's just chat about this. This is what I saw from my angle. And then they come out of it and say, you know what, you know, that wasn't a trip. I think that'd be great. And, and is that realistic just, between refs, though? Guy makes a call, you're really going to go over and be like, hey, buddy. I mean, well, isn't big playoff team? You want to get it right, don't you? You know what that is? That is segue into the GM meetings about expanding video replay because this is what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Right. 100%. Like whether they get together and talk about it, which is essentially a replay of another eye, or yeah. whether someone buzzes down, say, real quick, um, he didn't trip him. I don't like trips because that's it, but that was not his high stick. That was his teammate's high stick. That puck hit the glass. That puck caught the mesh. Yeah. Like, that, like those kind of black and white calls, those should be reviewable. Because if I can do a broadcast and in eight seconds my truck is fast enough, I'm like, oh no, no, that was Pierre LeBrun who hit me with my you know teammate high stick. Mm-hmm. Then they could do that in the game. It doesn't slow it down. Take two seconds. It take two seconds, and the team who gets the penalty taken away, no one's going to complain because you can show them you shouldn't have had it to begin with. 
I'm for this. I've been on this for a while and I'm mm-hmm. glad that they're approaching these conversations. More stoppages, more video you, review. Hey, Pierre. There's already a yeah, stoppage on the penalty. To, uh, Longer stoppage. I just wow. told you it's eight seconds before the guy even gets to the box. He's turned around and gone back to the bench. Yeah, Ask I, me I mean, between the benches. I'll tell them. He won't even go to the box. <laughs> go to the color guy. Yeah. It's certainly important not to further delay a game, but to your point, it can be done quickly. But the last thing that uh, Chris Johnson talked about with Dregs in, in their insider trading hit is that they got the sense this was not something that was imminent, that this was just right. a start. Should of a be. conversation that often takes a few years before the GMs and the league op- hockey operations and GM where to go. And, and, and that is true because I can tell you that offside review and coaches challenge, I must have gone to like six or seven GM meetings before it finally saw the light of day. I remember, so yeah. I would not expect this overnight. Okay, so here's my proposal. It takes 10 seconds. All Last right, guys, point, we're moving on. Go. We're going to review pucks over the glass whether or not they hit the glass. We're going to review pucks in the mesh or not whether they hit the mesh. We're going to review high sticks to see if they got struck with their own guy's stick. Okay? Good. That's what we're going to... Not, not, not is that a trip, is that a hold, is that a hook. Yes. Ones that are right or wrong, we're going to introduce it. And guess what? We're introducing it tomorrow. And that's fine. No problem. It'll take two seconds. Wrap it up. We don't need Pierre coming back here for six more years. I don't disagree with that, John. I think those are fair points. Easy changes to make. Uh, NHL not known for making fast, easy changes, though. So a few more GM meetings before that one gets done. All right. Time now for red card, yellow card, no card. You know it. You love it. You miss it. And Terry Ryan is going to join us as our ultimate arbiter. So we're going to actually talk about the GM meetings because one of the big topics that they're dealing with right now is having to fight after you throw a clean body check. And so this is the subject of our red card, yellow card, no card. We're going to start with the ultimate arbiter, Terry Ryan. So here's the scenario. You're playing a professional hockey game. Somebody hits your teammate. It was a clean hit. You skate up to that player. You drop your gloves and you bare knuckles punch him in his face. Red card, yellow card, no card, TR. When it comes to dropping the gloves against an opposing player who made a good clean hit on your teammate, I'm saying yellow card on the play. While I'll never fault a player for standing up for a teammate, if the hit was deemed clean, the onus is on the player to keep his head up, something we learn in the early to mid-stages of minor hockey. Dropping the gloves in response to a clean hit not only slows the game down, but often gives momentum to the team who made the hit in the first place. Sometimes the line is foggy, and like I said, I'll never fault someone for being a good teammate. However, yellow card on the play. Final answer. Okay, the ultimate arbiter, Terry Ryan. Listen, this is a big issue, and there's lots of nuance. So, uh, you know, we're having some fun there with Terry. But, Johnny, I'll put it to you first. How big a problem is it? Is there a solution needed? Um, I don't think it's a massive problem because it doesn't happen that that often. Um, and is there a solution needed? I think the question becomes how much fighting are you okay with in the NHL? Because – that what is happening now is within the framework of the rules of the game, right? Like you're allowed to fight. And if you instigate a fight, there is a penalty corresponding with that instigating effort. So if that's what happens and you call that penalty and guys are willing to take that penalty, then they are like, it's all going the way it's supposed to go. The question becomes how many fights are you okay with? And if you're not okay with these kind of fights, and I generally am, I would prefer not to see them then how can you curb guys that are behaving within the rules? You have to change the rules because the rules are not curbing the behavior to the degree that you want. Then the next one is, well, what changes could you make? Here's my changes real quick. If I have this idea of PR, right? You can propose to set the GM meetings next time for the new rule. So there's two ways you can do it. One is that you can charge, um, an added five instead of a two. Like if it's, you get the instigator, it's not just a two-minute minor, but a five-minute major. So increase the penalty for the team, not the individual. You can sit the guy in the box for 30 minutes. It doesn't really matter, right? Like, you know, 17 minutes, 22 minutes, whatever it is. But if you make it a five that the team has to kill for that, guys would think twice about doing it. The other thing is, let's say, Ryan, you hit me. Pierre goes to defend me, goes to fight you. You know it's coming. We see it all the time. And so guys kind of square up, get ready to fight. And so they often don't call the instigator in that situation because you were prepared for it. In that situation, I think you should also always call the instigator, even if 
the hitter is prepared to eventually get into that fight and he doesn't get, you know, jumped. You know, he turns around, his gloves go off at the same time and he's go. The reason he's fighting is the other guy has started it. So he's defending it himself. Often, yeah. Call it more often, whether it's a two or five. If you really want to make it penal and slow this down, make it a five minute major penalty for instigating a fight like that. I think if you do that, then I don't think we see it quite so much, which I don't think would be a bad thing to take this out or curb it just a bit. Yeah, I, I'm of two minds because I go back to when if someone took a run at Wayne Gretzky that Dave Semenko was on the next shift. It's not the 1980s. I know, but the point I would make is that I generally don't like it. I think a clean hit should be left alone. But if someone's taking a run at Kale McCarr, I think if you're the avalanche, I don't mind seeing someone saying... Take the five-minute major. Correct. But if someone took the same run, and I'm not... A Jack Johnson, I'm not, and listen, you know, good NHL veteran. We get it, Pierre. Well, we get it. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I think that yeah. if, you're, if you're running Connor McDavid or, or Mitch Marner, it's a different reaction. And I think that's just reality. It sounds elitist and, and, and that everyone's in hockey is supposed to be the same. They're not. And I think that's why I'm leaving some leeway for the retaliation when it comes to protecting your top player. Johnny, I'm with you. You said running. You said running, Pierre. Running impl- implies you're breaking the rules there. So if someone's running McCarr, call the penalty on the guy running him if he's breaking the rules. If he's hitting right. Kill McCarr to defend the guy who can skate around him, what, I got to go fight someone because of that? I got to no, Curtis McDermott's going to come knock my block off? Yeah. No, and give me a concussion? Like that? No, like that's, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. And, and it's okay. Listen, and if, and if a team is so offended by McDavid getting hit and they're willing to take on a five-minute major, then – Okay. I don't think the game penalty. I don't think the game does a good enough job of punishing players who drop their gloves and start punching a guy who clearly doesn't want to fight. I think that that needs to be multiple game suspensions. It's like because there's fighting allowed in the game when guys are willing, all of a sudden it's not nearly as egregious if a guy starts mm-hmm. fighting with a guy who's not fighting back. I think there needs to be a greater understanding of how suspendable that play should be so that if you throw a clean hit and a guy wants to come up and fight you and you don't want to fight you don't fight and that the penalty for a guy literally jumping you johnny to your point up the instigator to a five but the league also needs to step in and say you're not allowed to drop your gloves with someone who has not clearly indicated they're willing to fight and punch him in the face or that's a two-game suspension we never see guys that instigate a fight, the other guy's unwilling and doing his best to just hang on. We never see suspensions follow that up, and I don't know why we don't. Dropping your gloves and but punching someone in the face if they're not ready and willing to fight should be a suspension. Yeah. I, I think that this is the fact that this has become a storyline shows that we're a bit bored right now and that <laughs> the, ga- the game is so good right now, to be honest, that we're looking for things to talk about. The reality is th- there's so little fighting in today's NHL. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and it's not so much because the instigator rule came in decades ago or, or because of this or because of that. It's really just because players the don't fight of your roster. Yeah. Your fourth line players skate a hundred miles an hour. And so I, I get it. It's a fun discussion. And I agree with what you said, Ryan, but I, I just think this is not really something that I'm looking at every night in the NHL. They're yeah. talking about it at the meetings mean. though. Yeah. Probably because they have nothing else to talk about. Right. I mean, well, but just because the game's in a good place doesn't mean you can't improve it a little bit. But the only other part of this conversation I would add, and Shoggy, to your to your to your point, if someone is gonna go after a guy for something he did and fight him when he doesn't want to, make sure to call the guy for whatever he's doing, if it's against the rules, more often as well. Yep. So if I I can't just cross check right. anybody willing like, you know, just as much as I want and then not get a penalty and they're like, oh no, you jump me, you get suspended. Like, you know. The, the the thing that draws a reaction, if it's without, like it's outside the the rule book, make sure to call that as well. For sure. And if they yeah. do that, if you know, if a, if the ref exactly. throws his arm up, exactly. and the guy on his way to exact revenge sees the arm goes up, he's not necessarily going to take the take the instigator and take the five. Maybe so not. Harsher but penalty you know for instigator and call it more often, Pierre. You, you know, it's interesting in general too. By the way, I, I had this conversation recently with someone, but isn't it interesting that? I mean, do you know how often I would have to do either a sports center hit or, or, or write an article based on, on some egregious incident that happened the night before and we were waiting, waiting for Brendan Shanahan and player safety to weigh in or 
before him, Colin Campbell. Like, it, it, I, I'm not, I'm not out to. I don't know exactly why we've gotten there, why we've gotten. I think Rule 48's had a pretty impact, but and again, I think the type of players that we populate rosters with has had an impact here too. But we don't spend a lot of time talking about player safety anymore. Mm-hmm. It's good. And it's very interesting. Like it's a very quiet thing compared to. I mean, at least once a week, we had a major incident. Sure. Everyone's weighing in. Should that be five games, ten games? But the game's not really like that right now. Yeah. All right. That was red card, yellow card, no card. I don't know, Johnny. So what was it for you? A yellow card then for you? Probably a yellow, given the way the rules are currently. Me too. I'm right there in that yellow card zone. P? No card. No card. You Neanderthal. Yeah. You absolute Neanderthal. I don't think there should be fighting in the game, but I'm just saying this particular narrative is, I think, overblown. Uh, That is red card, yellow card, no card. Brought to you, by the way, by Liberty Smart Security, a company that always specializes in having your back. They've got high-quality advanced smart security systems for your home or for your business, your office. They use leading-edge technology to protect the things that you value most in life. Your home is your castle. Protect it with Liberty Smart Security and visit libertysecurity.ca to see all that they have to offer. All right, guys, we've probably gone a little too long. Pierre, anything else out of the GM meetings you want to just hit on quick? Or to your point, there's not a lot going on. I know, I wasn't there. I know, but you're paying attention. You're making calls. You're on your phone. Yeah, I didn't really pay attention, I got to be honest. Not a great set of meetings uh, this year. I'm 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 watching the hits from CJ and uh, and Dregs and Gino, but otherwise I'm not, no, I'm not dialed in on that. All right, boys. I don't know. We were average this week. Johnny, I don't know. What do you think? We've done better before, haven't we? Uh, maybe, but I was not. I was above average. You can get grade yourself. You can give yourself a yellow card. I'm giving myself a no card. I'm, I'm fine with my performance this morning. Off an early flight, I thought Pierre was fantastic despite wearing Cowboys gear. I thought he was solid. Zeke Elliott being uh, Dallas Cowboys cutting ties with Zeke Elliott. It's an emotional day. Tough day to be a tough to be a running back nowadays in the NFL. We don't have enough time for this, but man, that would be a tough position to play. It's like no, a fighter in the NHL. On that. Yeah, you guys start talking NFL, I fade the music in like I'm doing yeah. right now. <laughs> That'll wrap the podcast. Johnny Pierre, thank you kindly, gentlemen. We'll be back next week, folks. As always, a huge thanks to our sponsors, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, Liberty Smart Security, as well as Kuma Outdoor Gear. Have a fantastic finish to your Wednesday. Look forward to forward to chatting again soon. Cheers.